Metaxas Show with your host, Eric Metaxas. Folks, welcome. It is Monday, 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 January 10th. Hard to believe. Uh, Albin, we have a very big guest today, both hours. Folks, um, I don't know how to describe her except John Zmirak, uh, as usual, uh, tipped us off to her. He's not a producer on the program, but he has been very helpful to us because he seems to have his finger, uh, you know, on the pulse. And he said, you need to check out Julie Kelly at American Greatness. What's American Greatness? Well, it's a new website where if you want to read what's really happening in America uh, by reputable people, uh, that's a place to go. So Julie Kelly's been writing a lot about what actually happened a year ago, January 6th. Um, It's because of her reporting uh, that we, if we're paying attention, are dismayed uh, because there has been no, nothing to compare to the level of gaslighting in the United States of America since our founding. It's a gruesome moment uh, if you love liberty. But Julie Kelly, by the grace of God, is doing extraordinary reporting and we're going to talk to her uh, when we come back uh, from this segment. So th- this is very exciting. I, I can't believe finally that uh, we get to talk to her. And by the yeah. way, I can barely believe she exists because the idea yeah. that, you you know, there are these people that we don't know about. They are being heroes. They are doing the kind of uh, r- reportage that, that the mainstream media has not been doing. Yeah. Yeah. And she has a brand new book out. It's called January 6th, How Democrats Use the Capitol Protest to Launch a War on Terror Against the Political Right. So this is this is fiery stuff, folks. It is fiery stuff. And I got to tell you, I wish it were partisan garbage. That's I would be thrilled. It is not. It is not. Unfortunately, it is not. Um, Okay. yesterday. Uh, I spoke at King's Church here in New York City. I just posted it on Twitter. And you can, um, well, hey, Alvin, now's the time for me to say, ladies and gentlemen, if you go to ericmetaxas.com and sign up for my newsletter, uh, we will send you all of these videos. You don't have to hunt for them. You don't have to be on social media if you don't like. And by the way, if you can stay off those places, good for you. But uh, go to ericmetaxas.com, sign up for the newsletter, and we'll send you out these videos and things. Folks, welcome back. Remember I told you we had an exciting guest? Well, promises made, promises kept. That's originally with me, by the way, in case you want to know where that came from. Promises made, promises kept. That's Eric from Texas. Um, Julie Kelly is my guest. Julie, uh, I want to talk to you for a long time. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. Thank you so much for having me on. Great to connect finally. It's, it's very, the work you're doing, unfortunately, is extremely important. And so you've written a book titled January 6th uh, that gets into what happened on January 6th a year ago. Uh, the subtitle is How Democrats Use the Capitol Protest to Launch a War on Terror against the political right. It's a horrifying thing to say, but it's infinitely more horrible because it's true. Um, And there are many Americans that can't possibly believe this. They'd rather go along with the reigning narrative that uh, some bad people tried to take over the government, whatever. And unfortunately, folks like you and me, but you in particular, we have to stand against this with the facts. And so before we get into the book, 
which has been praised by uh, all kinds of people that I respect hugely, um, not least our friend John Zmirak. I want to ask you, uh, who are you and how did you come to <laughs> writing a book like this? Because I, I do think it's important for folks to know uh, how we have journalists like you doing great work like this. That's so important. Uh, so where what is your background? So I often ask myself what I did to deserve this, to be one of, you know, a couple of journalists who are digging into the details and behind the scenes of what happened on January 6th. But I've been a political writer at American Greatness and Greatness.com for the last few years, writing about politics. I focus mainly on Russiagate um, and then, of course, lockdown policies, uh, the COVID pandemic, and then election fraud in the 2020 election. And so that sort of led me up to January 6th. But my past writing can be found at National Review and The Federalist. I've had guest columns in Wall Street Journal and other publications. But I write now exclusively for American Greatness. When you were, were growing up, where did you grow up and did you know that you wanted to be a journalist? <laughs> well, I grew up in suburban Chicago, where I am still to this day. My background is in politics. So I worked for a variety of Republican candidates and office holders in suburban uh, Chicago area and some in the city, believe it or not, uh, on certain policy uh uh, proposal. So I mostly did speech writing, communication, uh, outreach, um, press secretary role. I, I was for a few elected officials here in the suburbs. Um, I took more than a decade off to be a stay-at-home mom and then got back into politics uh, after my girls were both in school full-time. So yes, this is something I've wanted to do for a long time, really my whole life. And I think all my background in politics, communication, policy has kind of prepared me for covering uh, what happened on January 6th and certainly the consequences, uh, how the Democrats are exploiting what happened on January 6th uh, for all sorts of political ends. Well, I, I have said uh, that it's our Reichstag fire. Anybody familiar with Germany in the 30s and, and, and what happened, how the Nazis seized uh, on what happened with this, you know, 24 year old Dutch maniac decides to, to light their Capitol building on fire. Right. And it really did burn. But they seized on this to create their own narrative and to crush all dissent that they possibly could. Really gruesome, gruesome uh, when you think about what they were able to get away with. But it's infinitely more gruesome when such a thing uh, could happen in the United States of America. So it, it is horrifying that this is real. But I, I just thank God that there are folks like you brave enough to dig into this and to do the work. So let me ask you, for starters, you know, I know that you worked uh, at National Review. How what do you think happened that uh, the, the 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 leaders uh, in, in the conservative world of, of a certain stripe decided uh, to, to go so really strongly against Trump and along with a lot of these increasingly, obviously preposterous narratives, Russia Gate being the most uh, <laughs> ridiculous, the most preposterous. But what do you suppose happened? And I don't know if you have an answer, but I just have to ask you that, because when somebody like you is doing work like this, you know, those people, I know those people. Mm -hmm. What do you think happened that made them double down on 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 that way of thinking and against your way of thinking? I'm glad you asked that because my first book, which was released in the summer of 2020, is about never Trump, and I call it disloyal opposition. 
So, Eric, I think there are a few factors in play what happened with the Never Trump movement. So, of course, it was really launched with the January 2016 um, magazine issue of National Review called Against Trump. And this is where all of their editors and writers, I think there were more than two dozen, uh, explained why Republicans should not nominate Donald Trump as the Republican nominee for president. Of course, no one listened to them. He was nominated. And some of them then after Trump won, and certainly after he started initiating a lot of his more conservative policies, recognized, okay, maybe we overdid it. We're going to embrace him. He's the president. Now we need to support him. But then you had a bigger faction who dug in their heels and I think saw a way for themselves to refurbish or rebrand themselves, sort of their dying political reputation, thinking about people like Bill Kristol, who really was the leader of the Never Trump movement, the founder and publisher of the Weekly Standard, which, of course, then went out of business in the Trump era. But then a lot of them have been paid by left-leaning billionaires, the founder of eBay in particular, Piero Midiar, who has dumped millions of dollars into Never Trump projects to sort of pretend that they are the moral, righteous Republican conservatives opposing Donald Trump. Well, it's one thing to find you could oppose Donald Trump. Maybe you don't like that he's been married a few times or his um, career choices or some of the things he did in his past. But they extended that, Eric, as you know, beyond Donald Trump to his associates, to Republican lawmakers, and then to the entire Republican Party. By the time the 2018 midterms rolled around, you had never Trumpers who were longtime fixtures in the Republican Party and conservative movement who were actively imploring their followers to elect Democrats to take over the House and Senate, which, of course, they did take over the House. But then you have, I know, um, our mutual friend, quote unquote, friend David French, um, whose shtick now is to act like the righteous, conservative, evangelical Christian attacking other Christians for supporting Donald Trump, questioning their faith and their religion because they're backing Donald Trump and now Republicans. And now you see also going along, not only with the idea that the 2020 election was legitimate, which we know it wasn't, but also that January 6th was an insurrection and that anyone Uh, involved or related to it should be punished severely. So this has just basically been their shtick for six years. They just are useful idiots uh, for the left. Well, again, it's some of these things make sense and some of these things make no sense to me. I I think that um, I I think maybe I referred to this. uh, Well, I've referred to this many times, but I thought if Trump did nothing except one thing, he brought three originalists to the Supreme Court. That's a third in four years, a third of the Supreme Court. We have originalists who believe uh, in the the American founders version of the Constitution and think that uh, good legal uh, scholarship uh, says that, no, it's not a living Constitution. It says what they meant. That alone would make Trump a hero uh, to people who call themselves conservatives. But they, they seem to act as though. He never did that. And, and again, he did so many other things. But if he had done nothing else, it strikes me that that would just be a gigantic accomplishment. When you think of, uh, you know, folks like Reagan, uh, who is lionized constantly by conservatives, who brought us uh, people that are that, that are the enemies of what we think mm-hmm. of as conservative thinking. So that alone I find very strange. 
Well, and just going along with what you said, Eric, I also think the beauty of the Trump era was to fully expose the immoral rot and corruption, irredeemable corruption of our major institutions in Washington, D.C. And of course, that we're talking about the DOJ, the FBI, now the CDC, many of the three letter institutions, as people like to call them, um, they have been fully exposed for the highly partisan and unaccountable, vengeful actors that they are. And as Trump used to say, it's not me they hate. They hate you. He's just the proxy. And boy, do we see this now on steroids related to January 6th. And this is what I talk about in my new book. And it's not just now going after Trump or his family members or his closest associates. It is now going after regular Americans who dared to protest the election of Joe Biden, something that Americans do every four years Um, and not just going after them, but criminalizing political dissent, trying to silence Uh, political, constitutionally protected um, political activity. And this is only going to get worse. And we see this with the DOJ investigation, which I talk about, but certainly the January 6th select committee targeting not just Trump, but anyone in his orbit, uh, including former officials and certainly Republican lawmakers now that we see them targeting people like Jim Jordan. Forgive forgive me, uh, Julie, we're going to go to a break. Folks, we have Julie Kelly- Uh, For both hours, the book is January 6th. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, I'm thrilled on the program to have as my guest, Julie Kelly. She writes for American Greatness. You need to be aware of American Greatness uh, if you want to get actual news, actual journalism. Uh, The new book is called January 6th. Sixth, Julie, we're just thrilled to have you. Uh, congratulations on the book. Uh, tell you. us, first of all, um, if somebody says, I don't know what happened on January 6th. I'm actually one of those people that mm-hmm. I, I look at what happened and I think to myself, what, what happened doesn't strike me as rising to the level of uh, m- much of anything. That, that everything that seems horrible, the more I look into it, they realize, well, nothing really happened there. It's made up. The only bad stuff is kind of on the other side. How much, I, I, I think maybe the reason they're able to get away with gaslighting the American public on what happened on January 6th is because it's confusing, because there's so much. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We don't actually know what happened. I mean, look, if, if, if a couple of senators had been murdered, I, I would say, okay, Okay, I don't know what led to it. I don't know the details, but I know that some senators were murdered. I know that something happened. Now we can have a conversation. But to this day, I don't have the beginning of an idea of what happened when people talk about violence. What do they mean by violence? Some people broke some windows. Who were those people? I I just have no concept of what actually happened. So I think the way you described it is what leftists do. They make things very confusing. They set the narrative very early. They gather evidence, propaganda, really, to persuade the public of what they are seeing. 
At the same time, they cover up other aspects that might be more revelatory in terms of telling the actual truth of what happened. So you have these optics that people have been seeing for over a year, people climbing on the scaffolding, the same couple of people who broke windows, there were only a few of them. Um, you see confrontations with police officers. That all happened. But what we don't aren't told and what the government and Democrats and Justice Department are desperate to cover up is what led to all of that. Here are a few unanswered questions that I think a year later we still don't have answers for and we need answers for. Number one, why did Nancy Pelosi and Muriel Bowser, the D.C. mayor, deny offers of additional security at the Capitol that day? Um, they rejected offers of thousands of more of National Guardsmen to be at the Capitol grounds to help protect the building and protect lawmakers. Why did they deny those offers? Um, what, what happened to the pipe bomber? This is a question I get a lot. This really set off some of the panic and hysteria and certainly the media hysteria that day that allegedly pipe bombs were discovered outside of the headquarters of the RNC and then the DNC. Now, Eric, this happened moments before the joint session of Congress was scheduled to convene that they did convene at one o'clock. Allegedly, the first bomb was um, recovered about five minutes to one, 12.55. Where is the pipe bomber? They have used every surveillance tool, including geofence warrants, to collect cell phone data of anyone who was in Washington, D.C. that day, but they can't find the pipe bomb bomber. We also have no evidence that it was a legitimate explosive device. There's no investigative report about this. I often joke that maybe CrowdStrike has the pipe bombers. If you recall, CrowdStrike was the DNC-connected firm that actually was allegedly took the DNC server that was supposedly hacked by the Russians. So those are a few of the unanswered questions. Also, what about the people who still have not been charged to this day? Ray Epps, the man who is seen instigating, imploring people to go into the Capitol building. He, you see him in the crowd on January 5th. You see him on a number of occasions on January 6th. A year later, he's not charged with any crime. While hundreds of Americans have been charged with trespassing, they didn't even know they were committing a crime. So you have a lot of people who still remain uncharged, which bolster suspicions that the FBI, which we now know had hundreds of agents, at least hundreds of agents on the ground that day. Um, what were they doing? How were they dressed? Were they in the crowd inciting the crowd? Were they trying to protect the building and lawmakers? Were they communicating to other law enforcement of what was happening? So the fact that you have these very high profile individuals who still aren't charged and at the same time, more evidence, the FBI did a lot more than they initially told the American people that they did. And the fact that they did not want extra security that day all of these factors create, I think, not a conspiracy theory, but create legitimate questions that need to be answered um, and that the Democrats and DOJ are refusing to answer. And we need to know why. Well, do we have any clue at all who this man Ray Epps is? He has ties to the Oath Keepers, which, as you know, is one of the three alleged militia groups that Christopher Ray considers members uh, domestic terrorists. So <clears throat> there was a group of Oath Keepers at the Capitol that day. And about 20 of them now have been charged in what is really the government's biggest conspiracy case. So he is tied to the Oath Keepers in Arizona. 
But if you go back to the Oath Keepers case, person one in every single indictment, and I believe there are now six superseding indictments in this Oath Keepers case, they're being charged with conspiracy, conspiring to attack the Capitol, et cetera. But person one, the top co-conspirator, Stuart Rhodes, also has not been charged. And Eric, I would direct your uh, viewers to revolver.news and read a lot of Darren Beatty's exceptional investigative coverage of Stuart Rhodes and Ray Epps and the Oath Keepers and legitimate um, questions why neither one of those men have been charged. So We're going to pick this up, uh, folks, talking to Julie Kelly. The book is January 6th. Very important. Stick around. Hey folks, this is the Eric Metaxas Show. I want to remind you to go to metaxastalk.com. Click on the CSI banner. Last chance. Very important. Everybody participate to some extent, please. Metaxastalk.com. I'm talking to Julie Kelly. Julie, uh, your book is January 6th, and you're, you're laying out some facts here. And what is your conclusion based? I mean, you've looked into this a lot, but is your conclusion roughly what mine is as I listen to you that that the fix was in that people like Nancy Pelosi, I mean, this is chilling that the speaker of the house of representatives was in on wanting to create an incident that would give them political leverage against their enemies. Can this be happening in America? Is this possible? It is a hard reality to confront that the people in power are that evil, um, are that immoral, are that desperate for revenge against their political opponents, including millions of Americans, that they're capable of doing such a thing. And it's been a tough reality to confront through my reporting over the past year. But Eric, when I listen to these line prosecutors, what they say in charging documents, the accusations that they make against American citizens, when I listen to federal judges berate Americans for parading in the Capitol, accusing them of trying to overthrow the government, sentencing them to 30, 60, 90 days in prison, people with no criminal record, just for walking in and out of the Capitol for 10 minutes where they thought they had been permitted. Um, When I take in what I hear and what I read, um, I do believe that that is exactly what this government did on January 6th. It was months in advance. You only have to go back to some of the lockdown rallies, for instance, in Lansing, Michigan, in April of 2020, that created a lot of the same optics, a lot of the same news coverage. I considered a dress rehearsal for January 6th. So this is not far-fetched conspiracy theorist thinking. This is all backed up, not only by the facts, but as I said, the cover-up. Where's the 14,000 hours of surveillance video I talk about in my book that the government considers classified information? Why can't the American people see what was captured on publicly paid for security cameras that day on government grounds? Why is all of that under protective orders? Um, So you have these two things happening at once. And I do think, Eric, we're going we are already starting to get to the bottom of really what happened. And I think this year we'll find out a lot more. You mentioned um, that uh, Revolver News 
uh, uh-huh. is a place where people can read about this as well. I want people to go to American Greatness and to read what you write there and to get your book January 6th. But you, you mentioned uh, that Darren Beatty writes uh-huh. for, is it Revolver.News? It is, yes, Revolver.News. Well, so the information is getting out slowly, but it, it's mm-hmm. chilling. Let, let's be honest. It's chilling to me because you have a lot of conservative news uh, outlets seemingly against the narrative that you're talking about. In other words, here you are saying at the very least something fishy is going on. They, they seem not to uh, talk about it. I know that um, uh, Ben Shapiro seems to come out on the on the, the government side in this. I'm I'm just baffled why uh, people like Ben Shapiro or some of the folks in National Review don't seem to be as troubled by what seems to be in front of us. I mean, uh, do they think you're making this up? What do you suppose they're thinking when, when they're confronted with this kind of information? Well, I don't know that they're really confronting the information. I mean, I'm happy to send uh, Ben Shapiro, who does a great job on many aspects, but I think that he um, is misguided on his interpretation of January 6th. And so I'm hoping to have an opportunity to speak with him as well. But what I talk about in my book, National Review, last week, instead of condemning this abusive, punitive prosecution of hundreds of Americans, a political prison in the shadow of the U.S. Capitol. You now have dozens of men being held for now, some of them almost a year under pretrial detention orders as their trials are being delayed to the middle or even end of this year. There's no condemnation at National Review about what um, Democrats and the Biden regime are doing to exploit four hours in the Capitol over a year ago. No. Who did they blame? Donald Trump. Once again, Um, I think a lot of it, Eric, is just laziness. I think these people are just in their safe little sinecures. They get paid by big donors. Um, They don't have to do the detailed investigative work. I don't think anyone at National Review has listened to one court hearing um, about January 6th. Uh, Their uh, reporting on this is is very thin. And to the extent that any is involved, it condemns really Donald Trump and Republicans. But also, Eric, it's not just conservative media. Where are the Republican leaders in Congress? You have Kevin McCarthy again today saying it. Everyone agrees that um, January 6th was just bad, really bad. Well, Okay, I agree it was bad, but not in the same way you think it was bad. Um, Listen, this is I, I, I try to do this at least once a week. And just to make the announcement, Kevin McCarthy's pathetic. There yes. are people in leadership that are so pathetic. They make me sick. They have a job. They are honored. They are honored to represent Americans uh, in our legislature. They're mm-hmm. not doing their job. They're playing political. They're playing politics. But shame on them. This is yes. such a scandal right now. Um, I just want to say that I am just scandalized by people like uh, like Kevin uh, I agree. McCarthy and others. I cannot get over the fact that they are. I mean, look, I, they're just pathetic. I think they end up being the handmaidens of evil, but I don't think they are themselves evil. I, I just think that they're pathetic. Um, I, I, I do want to ask you, though, you know, when we're talking about National Review and it, it, it is strange to me that there are people who don't care about injustice. I mean, when you hear about people being imprisoned who were involved in January 6th, you think this doesn't bother you that, that people kind of got swept up in some kind of madness. Uh, we all have seen videos of Ashley Babbitt being escorted mm-hmm. into the, the rotunda, walking in there, following the lines, not even going outside the cordons that that are there. People just 
just walking. It's obvious that there, there's no insurrection. It's obvious that at least these people are not involved in it. So to me, it's scandalous if people aren't scandalized that in America, when this kind of thing happens, we ought to count on our government and our citizenry to say we care about truth. But just as we have had uh, horrific uh, racism in our past, we have people right now saying if you're for Trump, we're not going to be worried about if you get in trouble. You're different. You're not you're not my neighbor. You are not my, I don't care about you. And if you suffer, it serves you right. That's not America. When we come back, folks, continuing the conversation, the book is January 6th, Julie Kelly, the author and my guest. It's beyond star. It's near beyond the moon. Make like a Mr. Milk Toast, you'll get shut out. Folks, talking to Julie Kelly, both hours today, the brand new book, January 6th, which is an expose on what actually happened and what we can know as of now. So, Julie, um, again, what actually happened based on your reportage is dramatically different than the narrative we're getting uh, the candlelight vigil that the Democrats put on the other day, all of this just ridiculous theater. Mainstream media and to some extent conservative media is going along with this. What gives you hope that the truth is coming out? Um, I do think that at least if our Republican leadership, as you said, Kevin McCarthy, who is just very weak, let's think about this. Last week, he released a video a little montage talking about what Republicans were going to do. They stand up for this. They stand up for that, stand up for law enforcement. He included clips of the U.S. Capitol Police in this video. This is the agency responsible for the near uh, point blank execution of Ashley Babbitt outside the speaker's lobby on January 6th. And here is the Republican leader of the House of Representatives commending this police agency who not only is responsible for her killing, but covering up the name of the officer who did it for months on end. This is the agency who still lies to this day that Brian Sicknick was killed in the line of duty by Trump supporters. And here you have Kevin McCarthy, including them in a clip instead of other police officers across the country who are under siege every day in major cities as Democrat governors let let uh, crime run rampant. This is how tone deaf and out of touch Kevin McCarthy is and shame on him for commending U.S. Capitol Police and now going along for the most part with this January 6th narrative. But Eric, I do feel like the rank and file, um, the base of the Republican Party are increasingly outraged about what they hear about January 6th, are increasingly suspicious and convinced that the government played a much bigger, if not animating central role in what happened that day. And they are starting to call for Republican lawmakers to be held accountable. I don't know if you saw what happened with Ted Cruz last week, but he called it a violent terror attack. He was blasted on social media, really by everyone, and had to go on Tucker's show last week and quasi-apologize for what he said and did. 
Um, But he had to walk back those statements. And I think that's reflective of where most Republicans are about January 6th. We are not going to let them use the language of the left and go along with this war on terror against the political right. Well, uh, this is why, you know, John Zmirak is is a hero uh, to me. and, And now you are as well, because you're making clear where the lines are. That, that if you're going to play that game, Kevin McCarthy and God forbid, Ted Cruz, if you're going to play that game, you will get swatted down That's right. instantly by people who are outraged at your cowardice, uh, who are outraged at your maneuvering politically in a way that does disservice to great Americans who care uh, probably more than you do uh, about our institutions like the the vote is that is that your stomach or my stomach it's one of no, our it's stomachs. it's my dog <laughs> I, I knew that julie that i'm sorry i didn't know what it sounded like on the other side sorry. i didn't have any breakfast and sometimes my, my stomach gets away from me um i i really just i have to say that when politicians at this time now uh, play that game, they will be called out by you, by me, by uh, Tucker Carlson and John Zmerich. And down the line, there there are many of us who have said, listen, you don't seem to understand. We're in a war for the soul of the republic. If you cannot stand uh, at a time like this, we have no use of you. You you have become the enemy of the republic. If at a time like this, you want to play political games. We'll be uh, back in hour two. Continue the conversation with Julie Kelly. The book is January 6th. I hope you get a copy. I hope you go to American Greatness and familiarize yourself with Julie Kelly and her reporting. We'll be right back. Julie, first of all, congratulations uh, on all your reporting and now uh, collecting it in this book, January 6th, which seems to me the definitive accounting uh, of what happened on January 6th and how the left in America um, is using it uh, as a cudgel uh, to beat back those of us who believe in American style self-government and liberty and are willing to talk about it. So we're living in a fascinating moment culturally. And one of the reasons I have hope, uh, I addressed this uh, a few moments ago in, in responding to a letter uh, written to me by one of my listeners. One of the reasons I have hope, which I didn't say a few minutes ago, is folks like you and John Zmirak who are not, uh, you're, you're not shrinking from dealing with this. You are stepping up, you're dealing with it, you're putting it out there. Every day, more people are encountering the facts and the truth and every day, more people are waking up and saying, how is it possible that I was going along with this narrative? And it's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. I feel scandalized. I feel used and abused that that I would trust people uh, like Nancy Pelosi and others that maybe I disagree with them, but I never thought they were capable of this kind of thing. I thought, I thought this happened in other countries. Well, folks like you uh, are, are writing about it. Who published your book? Uh, Post Hill, Bombardier Books. Uh, Adam Bellow. So uh, they're cranking out a lot of good stuff. He just published Scott Adam, um, excuse me, uh, Scott Atlas's book, sorry, uh, 
of course, the uh, great Dr. Scott Atlas, who was right about everything COVID lockdown, so great publisher. And it is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And I'll tell you, Eric, and this, I'm not bragging about myself, but we didn't do any paid promotion um, for the book. And it's still in the top, I think, number five of new releases on Amazon, because people do have a great interest in finding out more about January 6th than what they are being told by the mainstream corporate media. Well, it's, it's absolutely amazing, again, that, that we could be at a place in America where it's possible for most Americans uh, to be lied to uh, and then to accept the lie. Because I, I think p- part of the narrative for me, Julie, is that when, when you live, if you, always, if you want to know how something happened, when I wrote about Bonhoeffer, uh, I was sort of examining, how did this happen in Germany? Because many of my relatives were there at the time. Uh, my mom was there as a kid. How did that happen? And you realize that part of the reason bad things happen is because, because of historical antecedents. What happened right before to kind of set them up to believe the lie? And I think in America, we've had so much freedom and so much goodness in this country that most of us, it takes a long time before we could allow ourselves to believe that in America, these things could happen. In other words, we, we, part of the reason we allow the lie to continue is because we think it, this is simply not possible. We know that in America, these things don't happen. So it takes time for us to realize, no, there are uh, evil actors in America, in American government, in the FBI, in the CIA, in the Congress, who really, uh, whether through ignorance or through genuine malevolence, are the enemies of American style, Mm -hmm. liberty, and self-government. It's very hard for us to take it in. But thanks to folks like you, uh, we're beginning to get the memo. I think that is so well said, Eric. And I do think some good things are going to happen in 2022. And you already see this happening. You see now the CDC and public health experts now completely backtracking on everything that they've said for almost two years. You had Rochelle Walensky this weekend, the CDC director, finally confirm what some of us have been reporting really from the beginning. And that is that 75% of the COVID fatalities are people who had at least four comorbidities. These are not people and haven't been from the beginning people dying directly of COVID. So now you have the CDC director finally admitting at least three quarters of the people that they chalk up as COVID fatalities had other had other comorbidities were unhealthy people who of course are more susceptible to dying when there is a dangerous virus. Um, You see the changes in what they initially told us about the vaccine, the vaccine. If you get the vaccine, Joe Biden said, you will not get COVID. That was a lie. You get the vaccine. You will not transmit COVID. That's a lie, too. You have vaccinated people, double vaxxed, boosted people who are getting very sick from COVID. So you have that whole thing falling apart. We also are going to have the trials related to January 6th, more information coming out. Also going to have the trial, very important, the Whitmer kidnappers. That trial starts on March 8th. This was a completely FBI concocted and executed ruse, a caper. Um, to influence the vote in Michigan in October of 2020, as early voting was underway, the FBI came up with this plot. It entrapped people. 
to try to execute this plot. There were at least a dozen FBI informants and agents involved in it. And when did they announce the arrest of these seven men, six or seven, six federal defendants? October 8th of 2020. People were voting in Michigan. People were voting in other states across the country. This created huge negative headlines for Donald Trump. The FBI once again interfering in a presidential election. If anyone thinks that this FBI, after we've watched it now for almost six years, is not capable, decades really, but especially the past six years, is not capable of executing what happened on January 6th, you're not paying attention. You have to open your eyes and realize that this is an agency, the DOJ, the FBI, working with the national security state and House Democrats and some Republicans to not just go after Trump, but to completely put their collective boot on the throat of Republicans and conservatives across this country. Well, I, I want to say again to my fellow Americans, um, if you don't fight, if you don't speak up, if you in any way go along with this, you are guilty. And when I say guilty, I mean, you are complicit Uh in destroying liberty in our generation. And how many Germans look the other way because they thought, well, I don't want to lose my job or I'm not sure what will happen. Folks, this is your time when people say, oh, I if I would have stood up, uh, you know, I read the Bonhoeffer book, I would have been on the on the right side. Well, the fact is, if you're not on the right side right now, you wouldn't have been on the right side in Germany you would have aided and abetted the murder of of millions of innocents in the death camps. Folks, everything we do has consequences. And and if you're not willing to speak up for the truth today, um, why do you think you would have spoken up the truth for the truth at at other times? Speaking up for the truth always costs something. Um, You know, Julie, uh, in in your book, uh, in in the previous book you wrote, because the new book is January 6th, but the book you came out with a year and a half ago, what is the title of that? I want to talk about that a little bit because it's connected. Uh, It's called Disloyal Opposition, How the Never Trump Right Tried and Failed to Take Down the President. Um, The book was, I I wrapped it up in February of 2020, right before COVID hit. Um, And of course, Trump was riding high and never Trump looked like uh, they were uh, disintegrating, which they still sort of are. Um, so that book was released in July 2020 and just talks about a lot of the people we just discussed and how they were just relentless enemies, not just of the president, his administration, his policies, and the entire Republican Party. Well, there's a real irony, uh, you know, when you're talking, for example, about uh, National Review, because one of the most famous things William F. Buckley, the founder of National Review, ever said was that he would prefer to be governed by the first 300 names he finds in the Boston phone book than by the faculty of Harvard College. Now, what he meant by that, of course, gets to the heart of what it is uh, to believe in American-style self-government. The idea that we don't submit to some group of self-appointed, over-educated elites, but that we, the people, have the ability to govern ourselves. That is what Uh, Comey and Clapper and Brennan and Hillary Clinton and down the line, what they all seem to disagree with. They seem to believe that they know more than we do and they have more rights than we do. This is the scandal of our time. I mean, it is it is it is, uh, you know, it makes the Stamp Act uh, and whatever was happening uh, in in uh, before the revolution look like nothing to me. Because they didn't know better when when King George III was was making these decisions, they didn't know 
better. We're supposed to know better. We're supposed to know what it means to be self-governing, what it means to be free. Um, I, I, I just, I, I get the impression from talking to you that, that you have hope that enough people are waking up. I do too, but talk about that. Well, I do think a lot of people are waking up. I think this is why the book is pretty popular so far, as I said, just with nothing but promotion on earned media and social media. Um, You see some House members now who have been sort of silent. I'm not talking about Kevin McCarthy, but others who want to be more informed and engaged in what's happening. You saw, as we just talked about, um, sort of the smackdown of Ted Cruz and uh, his comments going along with the left. So I do think as these trials are moving uh, along and the first trial scheduled, the first January 6th trial is scheduled for February and we get more evidence. Um, and then you have all these other collapsing narratives, the COVID narrative, the election fraud, more evidence of, of election fraud. Um, and so I do think that 2022 is going to be a real eye opener, not just for, uh, say, regular Americans, but for our craven Republican political leadership in Washington. I, uh, hang on one second. We're going to go to break. Be right back with Julie Kelly. Folks, I'm talking to Julie Kelly. Uh, I want to ask you folks, please go to my website, ericmetaxas.com. Sign up for my newsletter. For the love of Christmas, sign up for my newsletter because we want to send you these interviews, the video interviews right now. Many of you are listening via radio, but uh, I, I hope you'll go to ericmetaxas.com and do that. Julie Kelly, uh, your book, January 6th, is doing very well, as it should. Uh, I hope many people listening to this program will buy a copy. Y- you talk about collapsing narratives. People in America uh, have learned because of these events, to distrust all the people they used to trust, the medical establishment, there's a level of cravenness uh, that is astonishing that the people that we would trust in that establishment uh, have just lined up with whatever they believe they're supposed to say, the people in the political establishment. So I do think Americans are waking up. And if Americans don't wake up, America goes away because America is Americans who are awake and who are governing themselves. Um, you mentioned Ted Cruz. I want to go back to what it was that he said or didn't say. Um, what did he say? Some up for my audience, uh, how he framed this when he was on Tucker. I saw it, but I'm interested in your view. So he said in a Senate uh, committee hearing to the U.S. Capitol Police chief that we are on the one year anniversary of a violent terrorist attack. He commended the brave law enforcement officers who protected the Capitol and um, protected lawmakers inside, never noting, of course, that a police officer, as I said, shot and killed Ashley Babbitt, that police officers assaulted, attacked, beat, stomped, maced American citizens on Capitol grounds that afternoon, a hugely uncovered, uh, ignored story that I talk about in my book, people who have been attacked and were attacked by these police officers. So Ted Cruz, now it wasn't the first time he said it. 
He tried to tell Tucker that it was sloppy. Uh, he was misunderstood. Um, but the fact is, Senator Cruz has said that a couple of other times. And so Tucker really confronted him on this and uh, said, you know, this is not was not a terror attack, nothing close to it. And this is what the left is doing. They are now using words like that, Ted Cruz's words, to accuse now millions of Americans of being terrorists, comparing us to Al-Qaeda. This is what's happening. And so that, to me, was a real glimmer of hope um, that we're not going to put up with leaders. Well, what's interesting the is that Ted, Ted Cruz, because I was really interested in, in exactly what was said, why there was this blowback. And what's interesting is that when he was on Tucker, you know, effectively apologizing, he didn't really apologize in the sense that he said that he has always referred to attacks on cops as terror attacks. So he's, mm-hmm. he's trying to trying to explain why he called it violent terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. But first of all, an attack on a cop, by definition, is not a terror attack. It's an attack yeah. on a cop. We condemn it. But there's a difference between attacking a cop and terrorism. Um, and he's way too smart to not get that. That's right. But then further, the, the idea that, that, that cops were attacked, I still don't know what cops were attacked, who attacked the cops. So we don't even know what he's talking about. In other words, we're, he, he's expecting us no. to kind of uh, go, yeah, 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 right. The cops were attacked. And I say, no, no, no. I don't know quite what it is that you're saying. I don't know who attacked the cops. Uh, if some bad actors attack the cops, I think everybody would say they should go to jail. But we don't know who did that. And then he he still would not apologize or take back framing that as a violent terror attack. And I thought it saddens me when I see somebody th- that I genuinely like and respect, like Ted Cruz, uh, b- become cowardly in the way he frames things. He's trying to clearly trying to to uh, to make common cause with some people by framing it that way. And I think I, I, I don't know if he has yet learned that it will not go well for him if he plays this game. Well, I think he learned that last week. And I think it sent a message to other Republicans who uh, want to use those that sort of terminology to describe January 6th. It's preposterous on his face. Let's just even assume that the narrative is true, which it's not. That Trump incited this organic uprising that day, infuriated his base. They started attacking the Capitol, smashing windows, just randomly attacking police officers. Let's say that even that's true, which it's not. It still is not a terrorist attack. And to compare it to other terror attacks, which Chad Cruz basically did when he said that, echoing people like Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and Merrick Garland, who've compared this to Oklahoma City, compare it to 9-11, compare it to Pearl Harbor, so demeaning to the tragic loss of life that happened on those real terror attacks. Four people died on January 6th. Every single one of them was a Trump supporter. At least one was killed by police, possibly two. Another woman, Roseanne Boylan, who I talk about in my book, that the D.C. coroner lied about what happened to her. There's evidence of police brutality happening right near the spot where she died. Police dragging her lifeless body through an entrance tunnel, hiding her body from the public until paramedics could arrive. I talk about this extensively in my book and in my uh, regular coverage. So the deadly terror attack took four lives of Trump supporters. Did you hear any of their names mentioned last week, Eric? 
Did you hear the Listen, president or anyone I, talk about them? What, what I heard Joe Biden say, I, I don't think in my life I have ever heard any political leader say anything as despicable as what Joe Biden said. I said, this, this is a new level of lying and deceit. Mm-hmm. It rises to the level of satanic. It was so vile what he said. Um, I, 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 can hardly, uh, I can hardly think about it without getting very upset. We'll be right back, folks, talking to Julie Kelly. The book is January 6th. Folks, I'm talking to the author of a brand new book, a very important book. January 6th is the title. Julie Kelly, um, you've done the reporting on what actually happened on January 6th, a year ago. And what actually happened is dramatically different than what we keep being told. I really, I can't believe that Joe Biden was able to say the things that he said the other day. He, he accused Donald Trump. I mean, this is just a magnificent level of ugliness. It's just, mm-hmm. just unlike anything, it's unprecedented in American public life to have the, the member, uh, to, to have somebody in the White House use his bully pulpit to spread foul lies. Uh, it's, it's, it's beyond anything I, I, I had ever heard. I, I really couldn't believe it when I saw it. Mm-hmm. As wicked as he is, what he said uh, I, I thought to myself, they must be scared to death. They must know that if they do not push this, ram this down the throats of the American people, they're all going to be in trouble. That's the only way I could make sense of how vile and dramatic the lies were from his mouth. And that raises more concern about what happened that day. And I've said this repeatedly. If it was so awful what happened on January 6th, why do Democrats like Joe Biden have to lie about it? Why did you have Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi lie about the number of police officers who died on January 6th? They still lie about Brian Sicknick, who did not die related to anything that happened on January 6th. He died uh, of a stroke caused by blood clots near his brain, tragically died at the age of 42. They've lied about that since day one. They added, Eric, a police officer who was run over by a black nationalist, radical Nation of Islam follower, was run over and killed Billy Evans in April. They added his fatality to the overall law enforcement fatality count for January 6th. This is how flagrant and evil these people are. They don't care what death they exploit. They don't care how many lies they tell. They don't care how they intentionally mislead um, and deceive the American people. They will stop at nothing to promote their narrative and their propaganda. We saw it on steroids on January 6th. Everyone from the president, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, Republican lawmakers like Liz Cheney, and of course, the national corporate news media, all lying about what happened that day. Why do they have to deceive the American people? If it was really that bad on its face, you wouldn't have to make up things about it. Well, and, and listen, we always have to say that it was probably Mark Twain, I think, who said that, um, you know, a, a lie 
travels around the earth four times before, you know, truth uh, gets uh, gets his uh, shoes tied so he can go chase it and track it down. I mean, lies get out there and then good luck uh, getting them back and good luck. And I was questioned uh, in in an article over a year ago by uh, Emma Green at The Atlantic, and she put in front of me uh, all the information about how Brian Sicknick was was murdered and blah, blah, blah. And what did I think about that? And when the information came out very shortly afterward, like a week later, that that was completely wrong, neither she nor the Atlantic retracted it or clarified it. And I thought, you're doing yourself and journalism a disservice. You you need to work with what is right and true. And if you have a different point of view, I will respect that. But people put these lies out there. And it seems to me that what's behind it, Julie, uh, speaking as a Christian, uh, it seems to me that there are people who don't care about truth. They care about winning. They somehow have persuaded themselves that they are right and what they believe is true. And it doesn't matter how they win. It doesn't matter uh, and, and I really think that um, they have, as you're outlining and as you outlined in your book, January 6th, they, they've thrown away uh, the, the Marquess of Queensbury rules. They no longer want to play fair. They simply want to win. And if they know that they can lie and lie and lie and get away with it even a little bit, they go, well, it's worth it. That's right. They want to win because they want power at all costs and they don't care if they lie And when they're caught lying, let's talk about the biggest lie about Brian Sicknick, which I cover in my book. And that is the January 8th, 2021 New York Times report that claimed Brian Sicknick was bludgeoned to death that day by Trump supporters using a fire extinguisher. That article was sourced to two anonymous law enforcement officials. It made it in every major news outlet, every publication, every cable news outlet picked it up. They didn't even question it. Um, There's still tweets to this day that say that Brian uh, Sicknick was bludgeoned to death with the fire extinguisher. That lie remained in the New York Times. It even made it into the House impeachment memo. To this day, there's a huge lie in a government document about what happened to Brian Sicknick. The New York Times retracts the story finally on February 12th, 2021. Did any of the reporters who said it get fired? Did any editor get fired? Did Dean Back uh, at the um, editor in chief of the New York Times, come out and apologize to the American people for lying that this account never happened? It should never have been in his paper. Nope. They just corrected the story and moved on to the next story, which was that Brian Sicknick died uh, suffering an allergic reaction to chemical spray, which also wasn't true. And the New York Times picked up on that, too. But it doesn't matter because no one's ever held accountable. No one is ever fired. No one's ever condemned by their own side for telling all of these lies. So they just keep doing it. I've lost a lot of friends uh, and, and a lot of viewers and listeners because I talk about these things on this program. Not every day. But I just think to myself, I, I, I always ask myself, how can I write about heroes like Dietrich Bonhoeffer? But when the chips are down, I'm going to shrink back and worry about my career. We have to believe that speaking the truth and doing the best we can is why we're put on this earth. And we have to trust God with the results. Uh, it, it falls to folks like you to do the journalism of our time. And so I'm just thrilled that uh, American greatness uh, – 
has allowed you uh, to have a place where you can write. Uh, I'm thrilled that the book uh, January 6th uh, is out, and I hope people will buy it. And I hope that everybody listening to this program will understand, folks, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to share these interviews. You have a responsibility to tell the truth where you are. Uh, we'll be right back. Final segment. We're talking to the author of January 6th. Don't go away. Folks, final segment with Julie Kelly. The book uh, is called January 6th. Julie, I just thank God that you exist and that you are, are, are working hard to get the truth out uh, at a time when, let's face it, many people are working hard uh, to keep the truth away uh, from, from most of us, but uh, we're not about to go down without a fight. What, what can people do uh, to help? I mean, besides buy your book uh, and, and share this information wherever they can, what else can folks do? Well, Eric, thank you so much for having me on and spending all this time getting into the, some of the details. It's so important. And uh, hopefully we've uh, given your viewers and listeners some information they didn't have before. So thank you so much. Um, what people can do, of course, I'd be grateful if they would purchase my book just so they have all the information and details. Also, I would ask them to push their Republican representatives in Congress and in the Senate to talk more about this and defend the people who are ensnared in this abusive investigation. I also would point people to the Patriot Freedom Project. It's patriotfreedomproject.com. Eric, there was no apparatus in place to help people with legal defense or families who needed uh, financial help because their husband or father was dragged off to this D.C. gulag where they've been languishing for months, fired by their job, causing great financial strain. So this is a really great project that was started by the adoptive aunt of one of the detainees and it's raised a lot of money. So if people are looking to help these people. I think that that's the best fund that they can go to and contribute whatever they possibly can to show support that we're in solidarity with not just these Americans, but we are in solidarity with each other against this left Biden regime. And he's never Trump Republicans who are doing everything they can bit by bit to chip away at this wonderful country, the rights that we possess and uh, where we, what we want to be in the future. I, you know, I think most of us uh, growing up uh, through the years in America really didn't think it could come to this. When I wrote my Bonhoeffer book, I remember thinking, you know, I, I can sort of smell this stuff on the horizon. Uh, I, I can see, how in the distant future, maybe, maybe, the idea that this is happening right now uh, is horrifying, but I think it's, it's, it's a bracing corrective. We've been sleepwalking, many of us, thinking uh, that people like Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy gave a damn about American-style self-government and liberty. Uh, we have woken up. Uh, many of us are waking up. But folks, I want to, uh, I want to encourage you, you, you need to do what you can Please uh, go to patriotfreedomproject.com, patriotfreedomproject.com. 
patreon.com. A lot of you can give something. Patreon Freedom, Patriot Freedom Project, Patriot Freedom Project.com. This is important. Uh, it is horrific uh, that there are folks languishing in DC jails. It's almost unbelievable. Um, Julie, I'm just grateful for your work. Thank you for reminding us about Patriot Freedom Project. Uh, dot com. But this is important. We're all in this together, folks. This is an heroic moment. And, and you can say, uh, when these things were happening, I stood up, I did something. Uh, or you can live with guilt and shame for the rest of your life. Uh, some people like that. Uh, I don't think you should. Um, Julie, I'm just so grateful for you. Uh, we'll have to have you back to continue the conversation. The book is January 6th. Uh, and the subtitle is, tell us the subtitle. What is the subtitle? Let's see. Oh, yes. <laughs> How the Democrats took the Capitol protest to use the Capitol protest to launch a domestic war on terror against the political right. There it is. January 6th is the book. Julie Kelly is my guest. Folks, also go to PatriotFreedomProject.com. We need your help. Big deal. Julie, thank you. Eric, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. 